In this episode of How Technology Changed My Life podcast, you will learn how Sarah Friedman went from being a tinkerer to owning her own tech company and how she is making an impact in the community. HTCML is a podcast that's how technology changed my life. And so I want to have the conversations with individuals about how technology has changed their life from the lens of here's all the things that I was able to do. Here's all the positives that come from it, because there's a lot of conversations out there about being the only in the room and about being this particular demographic is not seen in the technology space or the STEM space in general, but what are we doing with that to make, to change that and to have that conversation and bring a fun, light way um, of talking about technology? Because we talk about it sometimes from the um, lens of the, it's hard to get into it, but I really don't think it's hard. I think it's all about perspective. So just my first question with, with you would be, what were your hobbies when you were a kid? What did you like to do? Um. I like to build things and to take things apart and see how they work. Um, and I also created little businesses. Wow. So I, I was, yeah, I was, a, I was an entrepreneur when I was five. Um, so that would be, you know, a, a cleaning business. I traded garbage pail cards um, on the playground, which was my very first one. I even had a little, one of those little um, money belts. And I had, the, 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 and I knew I would determine like, oh, which cards are, you know, have a higher value, who wants what, and I would sell them or trade them for better valued cards. Um, but my, my, I mean, it really, I grew up in the, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there wasn't a lot to do and you couldn't really get to anywhere. I wasn't any, any kind of urban whatsoever. So I would take things apart and put them back together to see if I could do it and if it would still function. So, so it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I truly, and the reason I ask that question is I truly believe some of the things we do as a kid is shapes who we are and what we end up doing in our careers and taking things apart and putting things back together or something that I did as a kid, it was more so cars. Um, I worked as mechanics. And so you were exposed to STEM and technology early on. And if you were taking things apart and putting them back together. So, um, what type of things did you break and take apart and put back together? The vacuum cleaner was the biggest, was my biggest client. Um, <laughs> that would break often. And I remember being like, I don't know. I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade and my mom saying, here, just fix this. Cause she knew I could do it. Um, the remote control, because I had two, two older sisters and just things happened in the house. And like, so the remote control, the old telephones, that we used to fight over that phone all the time and it would get dragged across the house on that, on that cord and it would break the phone and I would take it apart and fix, you know, just reseat the boards inside or whatever and put it back together. And, it, and, and like I said, see if it worked. It didn't always work after that, but I tried. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, That's so nice. many so things. It was the push button one, not the rotary one, or did you? Yeah, the push button ones. I didn't, I did not, I've never um, disassembled a rotary phone, although now I'm interested to what that <laughs> looks like on the inside. Uh, but yeah. it was always those push button ones. No, I think that's pretty cool. So with you being exposed to technology at such an early age, where what was your uh, major in college? I didn't go to college. Oh, Okay. Um, I'm one of the few, I sat in the admissions office. I knew I wanted to run a business and I didn't know at the time that I wanted to be in technology. I just knew, um, 
I sat in the admissions office several times and went through the programs and, and did the math and said this, why would I pay for this? Like, this isn't going to teach me something that I don't already know, right. or I can't find out in a book. So instead, I've invested um, through my, my career, I've invested a lot of money into personal and professional development. And I have read thousands of books. So you're, so you're a self-taught tech then, which is yes. not uncommon. I mean, if you think about some of the greats, you know, Microsoft, like a lot of people, either they started or like, mm, you're really not giving me what I need and I can go and do this. So I think that's pretty amazing that you're able to have that opportunity, um, be self-taught. And I mean, from the, the short amount of time I've known you probably almost a year now, I think you're pretty amazing in that space. So what do you think, um, and, you know, being self-taught in the tech space and just give us a background of what your tech space career has been, because I know where you started from when I met you and where you're trying to go, but just give the listeners a background on your tech experience. Um, so I got my first job in the tech space back in 2005, and it was a few months after I bought my first computer. So I was 24, and I realized I need a computer for two reasons. One, to sell stuff on eBay, and two, is to find, I, I could, because a monster, I think, was invented back then, and I wanted to go online and find jobs. I kept hearing about it, and I didn't, I never had a computer growing up. So I, I bought my first computer. Um, I'm reluctant to say that it was a gateway, but it was affordable, um, and those were hot back then so I had a gateway and um, I found this I found these these two sales jobs because I'm, I'm good at sales but more so relationship management and the one was working in technology which was really scary to me but the the atmosphere of that establishment was just amazing you went inside and people were just excited to be at work and they all drove nice cars and they played cool music on, on the loudspeakers so um, I I really wanted to get into that just for that. And it was just something new. And I didn't have to know anything. They gave me a desk, a computer, and a phone and a, and a website and said, find out what these people are buying and selling and, and call these other people and find out what they're buying and selling and try and connect to them. So I actually started as a hardware broker in the Cisco industry. And I was bringing Cisco into an HP, used Cisco into an HP reseller in New York. And that led into my interest of, well, what am I buying and selling? And where does this come from? And how do I get this? And what does it go into? And I, I'm a curious cat. So I always wanted to know, like, why are you buying 10,000 of these cards? Or why is Verizon buying all of these switches? Oh, cool. We're building the network for 4G. And how does that work? And how does the information get passed? So it, it, was a, it was a combination of me just getting that entry-level job of bringing Cisco and learning what that is, but in addition to my curiosity, which stems, I think, we've identified from my childhood. How does this work? When I take this deal apart and put it back together, how does this work? Why is this happening? Um, and that led into uh, more entrepreneurship because, again, I, I was born an entrepreneur. And I came out to Tucson and partnered with people because it just made more sense money-wise. And that put me in front of more end users, which piqued my curiosity even more. Why are they using what they're using? Why aren't we moving to the cloud? Um, again, most of this stems just from my curiosity, wanting to understand why is this data center buying so many of this product? What are they building? Um, and I found out actually today, one of my favorite projects was learning. Uh, they would buy so many of these top of rack switches from me. And, it, and, and also this one type of server. I mean, thousands of them over a course of a few years. And I always wondered what they were building with it. But you can't ask them because they're private projects. And come to find out, they've just opened up on the channel. I'm working in the channel now. 
um, for suppliers and services, they've opened up and they're doing cloud applications for small to medium businesses. And I, it was like, oh my gosh, it was such a great day to hear that. And I called them and said, is this what we were building this whole time? And they said, yes. <laughs> so That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So how have you, as being a woman in the resale space of hardware, which we know there's not a lot in that, um, in that space, how has your experience been in the sense of like, is it not necessarily harder, but have, when you can speak their language and because you are a tinkerer, do you think being a tinkerer help you speak their language when you're having those conversations with them? I think it, I think it does. Um, I really, I think that my, you know, my curiosity, like you say, being a tinkerer and wanting to understand it really helped me have the conversation. And I won't ever say that it was hard uh, being one of the few women in technology. It actually made it easier. It was a breath of fresh air when I called an engineer versus the same old person that was just trying to sell them something, Mm -hmm. but also calling them being that woman and being able to speak their language, which I learned over time, just made it that much better and more fun. Yeah. No, and that's one of the things I I think also to and you can tell me your opinion about being a woman and being in the tech space. And we talk about diversity, but sometimes most people talk about diversity is just and from the race side of it. But I think diversity from being a woman, because women, I think we see things a little different than men do. And so do you think being a woman in this space and being able to give them diverse options or diverse conversations help as well? Oh my gosh. Yes. A hundred times. Yes. Um, like you said, I, I see things differently. So I would come to the table with an entirely different vision of a solution that worked. And I'm not going to say it's better or worse than somebody else's. It just worked. It was just a different point of view. Um, and in the beginning of my career, some people were, they were a little bit adverse to that. They were, they would butt up against that. And I think that they felt maybe felt threatened until they realized I'm not here to say I'm better or whatever. I just see it differently. Yeah. Um, no, it really, it makes a huge difference. I would hire a hundred women engineers. Um, and I shouldn't say this, but I would hire a hundred women engineers over five men any day, just be, just to get that different perception, the point of view and the fact that to know that we can challenge each other and, and it's okay. Right. Right. And it's, and it's not an ego thing. I think that's the thing. It's like, sometimes when you're in those spaces, it's, they feel their egos being challenged or their professionalism being challenged. It's just like, no, well, but did you think about it from this point of view? And that's the hard part that sometimes it's just like, this is not personal. And I try and, and the other thing that, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when I speak and you have gotten to know me a little bit, when my voice goes up, there's passion behind what I'm saying that's interpreted as being angry or being upset or being aggressive. And it's just like, no, this is what I love to do. Like I love talking about tech. (laughs) Have you ever had that experience where if you're excited about somebody, their perception of what you're saying is received differently than what it is? All the time. Um, As you know, from talking to me, I am a very passionate person, especially when we talk about technology and add in diversity in technology, which I'm super passionate about. I do run into that often, more so than not with my husband, um, who's starting to understand my language and because I'm passionate about most everything. If I'm talking about it, I'm passionate about it. You can tell. Um, And like you said, a lot of the times it would come off as um, witchiness or anger or, or trying to be powerful. And it's no, I'm just... I just enjoy this that much. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, it's, it's quite amazing because it's like, no, I just love what I do. I love who I, what I'm doing. And so because I love it, I want to give my opinion or I want to figure out how we can make it better. So how has technology leveled you up or leveled up your business in, oh as it's grown over the years? Well, um, I am the original work from anywhere workforce. So how has it leveled up? Back when we were, I was still a hardware broker and I was partnered. Um, I came up with the idea of parsing emails that were coming through because a lot of our business was done in an ISP list. So an email would come in with something that somebody's looking for, wanting to buy or want to sell. And we built an application that matched that up with our inventory software. And I don't want to say I'm the complete brains behind it, but there was a team of us that did it. But it started with my idea of why can't we just parse these emails as they come in? doesn't work with Exchange, by the way. And you'd have to upload, you would have to upload a document to Google constantly to make your filters work based on what was coming in and out of inventory. And how would you do that to, if you had people working from across the country, which I was in New York and our warehouse was in Tucson. So how would, how would we make that all fit? So um, writing that application was just mind opening in general. So now I have an understanding of what it's like to be on the front end of that and how much work goes on the back end. In addition to being the work from anywhere workforce, I would, I, we, it was so set up with um, virtual desktops that would be able to access my desktop from anywhere. I would be, I, I, my favorite story is being in the Bahamas and shipping stuff from my warehouse, sending orders to my warehouse from the beach and having things ship out across the country real time. Um, I don't know what else. What I mean, aside from that, just moving everything into cloud communications and having an understanding of that. Um, and the fact that I was, um, I had a breach. I had a security breach. I was hacked. I have three different likes to my, my hack. And moving into the supplier side, as I have over the past few years, gave me a better understanding of what actually happened to me. Um, I did have to shut that business down, which I was fine with. I took some time off, which was great. Uh, but having that understanding of what happened to me um, and seeing why, like, what can I do with that? Not let it defeat me and go start the same thing. I want to educate other people and have them understand it's not a matter of if you're, you're, you're breached. It's a matter of when, yeah. you know, how, how are you going to handle that? What assets are you protecting, et cetera? So it's really changed, changed my viewpoint on that and changed my trajectory there. But it's also feeding um, some of my lifelong dreams of building small communities, which is, you know, I'm, I'm doing right now. I'm building little ecosystems of where technology can be used, reused, recycled, but also used to help teach other people in the community about technology, get their certifications, and just bring everybody up a little bit. Right. So you just... I have a whole slew of questions that just came up when you talked about the you being part of the first ones to do the virtual workforce. And I, I totally agree with you on that. And so because we're in this pandemic and so many people have had to work from home or work from wherever, how has, um, with you having that ability to be in the Bahamas, which I would love to be there right now and work virtually, how has that, you know, being able to have a virtual work environment that you did before it was a thing to do and seeing it now and because of COVID, we're all in that space and knowing that you created that, how has that been in the sense of like, oh my God, like here's more I can do or more that, how can you tap into that or teach that more into how people can have that virtual lifestyle or how technology has allowed you to have that virtual lifestyle? Well. 
Uh, no. So you're asking like how how do what I tap into that or how would I tell other people about that? Because really, people, you're more productive when you do that. You get more stuff done on a personal level because I'm, I'm right here. I'm in my office. I'm in my house. If I need to go change a load of laundry, I can do that, and I can come right back to the desk and work. I don't have a commute time. And overall, my overall well-being is much better knowing that, you know, there, there aren't those things, that, those hassles that I have to deal with getting to and from an office. Right. And is that so what you're asking? Also, yeah. So that's, no, that's perfect. But also, too, I think also the virtual workforce, well, technology allowed you to have the virtual environment because you understand technology a lot more so than some of us. Well, not me, but the general population <laughs> sense of working virtually and being able to have a business. So, and, and so I, it goes into the question of like, because of technology, you were allowed to be in the Bahamas. Yeah. Ship out things and do the things that you were able to do. So would you ever go back to the non I mean, because you kind of have a remote job, like you're saying, you're able, like you're not in an office space. I know you shut down your warehouse. Could you see yourself going back into a work environment and not have the flexibility of being virtual? Because I can't. And I've had that offer um, on the table a few times recently. One is with one of the nonprofits that I work with where they want me to come in and teach Monday through Friday. And, and just, and I want to, I want to teach and I want to help, but it's that, that part of having to go someplace and having that full day commitment of doing that, that is really what I'm adverse to, um, among some other positions where it would be an office position. And I just, I'll, I'll turn it down. I would rather make less money and have this lifestyle than anything else. Now that I know what it's like, and I'm, and I'm hoping more, uh, more people around the world understand that luxury. And I do, I mean, statistics from my end, because I work with the suppliers um, and I am a consultant now, and we're, we're moving people to more virtual environments and keeping them there. There's only 30% of the major workforce is going to go back to offices full time. Wow. So there's, there, a lot of people understand just the, the energy savings alone, just from your electricity. Um, there's just the, the, your, your capital expenditures, your operational expenses, they, everything shifts. Um, and then as people are seeing, people are more productive in that environment. Now, some people want an office. They want a place to go to, and that's fine, which is why these um, uh, multi-use offices are in, in place. Right. I don't want to name any names, but I had one for a while. I knew I needed to have a boardroom and a place, and I wanted to be around people, so I would rent an office for a couple of months. Um, and if I get that feeling again, I will go rent that office, you know, another office for a few months if I just feel like being around people or for a day. Um, but really, the whole world is shifting into that. And, I, and I'm so happy about it. I'm so happy to see people having their time freed up and their, their peace of mind. Right. No, I, I think, you know, because people talk about that work-life balance. And is that really a thing? Or is it just you figuring out what you need? And it may not necessarily be a balance. It can just be like, this is who I am. I do this. I do this. And so that word balance, I think, throws people off when they hear it. And it's like, eh, you're, it's never going to be equal because at some point you may need to do work more. But then next week, it's I'm doing this more. So the balance could be over the month. Like, what did you do? So one of the things that we're going to we want um, young people and listeners, college students to know about technology or if they go into a career in STEM is some of the opportunities that may 
come from them. And so of other conversations I had, there's been what we don't do is we don't talk about salary. Sometimes we kind of just like, it's a great career, but because of our tech salaries, we've had opportunities to experience maybe international travel or going and doing these things. Can you talk about, because you've been in tech, some of the opportunities personally that you've been able to experience because of your tech career? Well, aside from the freedom that we keep talking about, um, you know, if I decide I want to go to California today, if I decide, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to California, I can do that. I have the ability to do so. I have um, the funds to be able to do so. I've been able to um, fly, my, fly my friends and family all over the place. Because, because of that and have the time to take off and say, okay, you know, I have my phone on me. I have access, you know, back when I had a warehouse, I can get things done. I have my people in the warehouse and I can do whatever I want. Um, and, but the biggest thing for me, what it brings to the table is the opportunity to fulfill my passions with my philanthropic projects. And that for me is the, the biggest player because it's, you know, I could, I could have all the money in the world, but if I'm not doing something with purpose, then it's meaningless to me. So just having the time and the resources and now the knowledge because of, because of my, my career in tech, uh, to be able to do that and have an effect on the world and to leave my footprint is, to me, that's just priceless. Your legacy. No, I, you, I totally agree with you on that because you know that we're both, I think, and I think that's why we get along in the short amount of time we've known each other is because we both have this passion for the community and giving back to the community and having our careers have given us the opportunity to give back in multiple aspects in our knowledge and our bank accounts and things like that. So I think that's pretty cool. So has um, how has your networking and how has your networking grown because you have chosen a career in tech? How has my networking grown? Or your network because of your networking, your network. Yeah, my network is huge. Um, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know how to quantify how big my network is. I know people all over the globe. So my network is, you know, I used to joke saying, you know, you know uh, my funnel, my sales funnel. So my territory is earth. If I could ship there, if I could get something there, if we could do business there, then that's in my territory. But it has, it has facilitated relationships all over the planet. So my network is just absolutely massive. Um, and in terms of people, I don't like to judge people based on what their title is or what their role or how much they own. I just have an extraordinarily diverse network of people that do all sorts of things. Um, some of my favorite, one of my favorite questions to ask people when I first meet them is to tell me something about yourself that you would like for me to know. And I get a lot of really interesting answers. So I've learned that a lot of C-level executives, that they don't want to talk about their job most of the time. And I, people have some amazing hobbies. One of my favorites is refurbishing old bottles. So they do their tech job, they do their nine to five, and then they go home and they have this, just this passion for restoring old bottles for people. And they do that as a service. Um, so my, my network, pretty much anything that you ask for, I probably have somebody that does that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Yes. I'll have to keep that in mind for future reference. <laughs> so um, that kind of wraps up the formal questions or, conver you know, the conversations. I, I, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with me. I learned a little more about Sarah. Um, and I think it's kind of, um, it seemed like one of your buzzwords is freedom. And your last name is Freeman. So do yes. they relate? I don't know. We, we can figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool that, you know, you brought it from the point of view of 
being in tech and the freedom that it's allowed you to have. I mean, I know you're like, oh, no, I have a 10 o'clock yoga class. I got to go. I'll talk to you later. And I think that's pretty cool that you're able to balance that. Um, but any last things you would like to say in regards to how technologies change your life um, for our listeners? Any words of advice or just anything? Closing? Yeah, um, I, it's not it's not a boys club anymore. And you don't have to have extensive degrees to get into technology. Technology doesn't just mean computers, laptops, and networks. Technology is a whole broad scale of things. You can learn how to do write applications on your phone. You can do um, graphic design. That's all done on technology. I, I mean, there's everything is done, not just on technology, but there's so many avenues of technology to look into, but you have to take that first step. And once you start to say, oh, this is interesting to me, let me just try it, right? You don't have to make a lifelong career out of it. You can do whatever you want, but just take those first few steps and know that you don't, any kind of, any level of certification will get you in the door somewhere. 